Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I am Natalie Miller-Snell, and you are listening to Seize the Day. Now, joining me today is a speaker and an expert on diversity and inclusion. Through his own story and that from many of his friends, he explains the real struggles faced by the trans community, highlighting the importance of hearing voices from the trans community in mainstream media discussions. He has a great TED talk, which I highly recommend, why we need to listen to trans people tell their own stories. He was the first openly trans male contestant on BBC MasterChef, which I think is wicked, um, runner up for the British LGBTQ Awards in the corporate rising star category, and most recently won the Trans in the City Award last year. Please put your hands together for the absolutely fabulous Len Montgomery. Round of applause. <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> wow. wow, that was that was quite a welcoming, I must say. I felt a bit shy there. I sort of came <laughs> with it thinking like, oh, hi, it's me. <laughs> I'm not the problem. It's Lang, you know, sort of whatever it is with this week, I think. <laughs> Bless you. Oh, do you know what? It is so fantastic to be doing this with you. I mean, we actually only met, well, it's this year, wasn't it? Or was it the end of last year through work? Yeah, when I accidentally bashed you in the lift with my bag, <laughs> which was <laughs> so bad. Because I literally that day, I'd, I'd sort of, I'd had this conversation where I sort of said, you know, like, where are the lesbians? Literally. <laughs> and then, and then someone in my team sort of said well Leng it's your duty now you know you must go and find all the lesbians at this company so I, I joke he was like yes yes well that's what I'm going to go out and do and then later on that day that's when I managed to meet you but by accidentally bashing you with my rucksack which I stood upon it and I thought I can't believe this you know sort of you know especially back to my lesbian days that's not how we say hello anymore you know? <laughs> not, a gen- not a genuine greeting that is brilliant well, do you know what? We, yeah, we've been talking about this and getting you on, and I'm so thrilled we're doing this. And it's Pride Month. This is well, we're recording before Pride Month, but it is Pride Month that this is going out. And what I enjoy to do, what I love to celebrate on the show when I've got guests on, is to understand lived experiences. Now, there's a great intro that I just gave there for yourself, and in your TED talk, what really blew me away was when you opened when you opened the session, and you mentioned it took 25 years to meet your true self. So I would love for you to share within your area of comfort, your kind of life story that gets you here today and what's important and what that meant for you in saying that statement. Well, I think, I think for me, I definitely, from being very young, I knew I was a bit different or I knew, I remember as a small child, I used to stare in the mirror a lot, as you do, you know, sort mm. of daydreaming, but I always saw a little boy looking back at me, but then I realised in my actual day-to-day reality that that wasn't the case. On TV or in the media, they weren't really, you know, I mean, people talk about seeing a version of themselves, and I've never seen that version. Even now, that's very limited, that version of what I think exists, and also particularly if I look for a composite role model, in other ways, what you see isn't always what you get. So, mm-hmm. for example, I'm actually mixed race, but I don't look my ethnicity. I have dyslexia. I was brought up very poor so that was also probably the reason why it took me a while to find or find myself or meet myself because yeah. I didn't have the luxury of a gap year at 18 like richer people had you know it's a case of you go to work was the sort of feeling but I think on a more serious note though I knew that I always knew that there was something a little bit different about me and I didn't quite fit in but I didn't know why and it wasn't that 
it wasn't that I'd never felt a sense of shame or I never felt there was anything wrong with me, but I knew there was a difference. And I knew that everyone else seemed to have this vibe or they'd had their own sort of little lives or things they would do. And I thought, why do I don't, why don't I fit into any of that? And I couldn't work it out. As I got a bit older, I then realised that, well, particularly at school, the first thing I was ever in trouble for actually was pretending to be a boy, apparently, because the only tantrum I would ever show at a very young age was having to wear any very feminine clothing, like particularly dresses or skirts, I would completely lose it. Mm. Um, I kind of know why now. But the interesting thing was, is that I had no, I had no male role models growing up at all. So I was brought up in a single parent household. So for me as well, like being around women and I think women are amazing and I've just you know sort of when people can be very patronizing or demeaning I was a bit like this is so odd or I'd go to my friend's houses as a child and sort of seeing these sort of gendered roles being played out and all the only takeaway I had from my own lived experience and from witnessing others was that men actually in some ways were a bit useless and they're given (laughs) a lot more space than they needed to so it's not that I sort of it's not that I decided to transition in later years or even with how I feel now about being a man. I don't hate myself. I don't yeah. sort of feel, a diff, you know, I don't feel negative. But at the same time, I don't glorify masculinity and I don't have this very romanticized mm. or gloried thing. You know, so where people think, oh, well, this man will protect you. It's like, well, that was not my experience ever. And, you know, and I realized that, you know, my mum just always instilled in me that you can do it or just give it a try or, you know, it's very much. But my mum was never, we would need help with some things, but there was never this like, oh, well, I need a man to help me do or fulfill whatever else in life. So there wasn't that kind of um, narrative growing up. So for me, it was, to me, and I've always said this, and I think any type of coming up, but for me, it was about absolute honesty. I knew for a very, I mean, I came out 15. I did identify then as a lesbian for a number of years, but I always knew that even when I was still identifying in the female identity and saying that I was lesbian, I knew I was different. I knew I was a guy and, Mm. but I didn't feel heterosexual either. So I felt even more confused for a while because I was a bit like, well, what the hell am I? You know, and even Mm. I was like, what is this? And then I realized it was about being honest. And I realized that actually I am male. I am someone that's actually, I identify as bi now, actually. Um, But I, in terms of my sexual orientation, but I've realized that I'm actually just very, I'm not heterosexual. I am my own version of masculinity, you know. So yes, I look very conventionally male. Mm -hmm. I look like, some people think I, even with my mixed race heritage, my father had Caribbean and Asian heritage in him. Um, my mum's British English and was brought up in Malaysia and she's white and I've come out looking Italian or Greek. <laughs> Some yeah. people often I, think yeah, so, that's really interesting. You know, yeah. So in so this is why. So I say that I am I do I am aware of what privileges I carry. And when people mm. look at me, there would be no question, people wouldn't question my gender identity, I don't think. Unless I tell people I have a trans identity there is definitely, um, I would say, I don't get any questions. I won't be challenged. Mm. The colour of my skin will not mean that I will not be treated any indifferently. The only thing that I've noticed, though, on the other side of that is that I don't experience racism directly, but I witness a lot of it. And that's the thing that I find really sad. And the same with misogyny, actually. That's the other thing I wasn't quite prepared for. But to answer your question, 
all of those layers involved, I just took it slowly, but my ultimate thing that I'll say about all these layers and all these other sort of segues I've made that contextualize this a little bit more is the fact that I did it and I transitioned and I felt comfortable enough at 25 to tell the truth because that's all coming out is for anyone, whether it's about their gender identity or their sexual orientation, it is a statement of truth. So when I see people trying to imply that people are doing, you know, people come out in any way, shape or form to kind of upset people or to be provocative or, you know, you've been tricking us. I'm like, actually, someone's telling you the truth. So Mm -hmm. again, I find it very interesting how one the context of something can get twisted in reverse in a way that can be used in quite a negative way when actually it was to be completely honest and I also personally emotionally spiritually every single way possible felt very prepared at that point in my life at 25 to lose everything too wow wow I mean that is such a huge statement in itself and I would like to to come back to that Mm. There's so much, so much in what you've just said there, Leng. Um, prepared to lose everything. Actually, let's just stick here. Let's just stick with this and I will, we'll come okay. back to the other points you've raised. How does one go about finding the confidence to do that then? If, if we dig deep and we understand our own truth and there is a lot of self-reflection in that and being honest with ourselves, you mentioned the word honesty. How does one go about finding that um, confidence to do it particularly as you've said I stood there and I you know I, I thought to myself I'm prepared to lose everything as a result of owning my own truth and being myself I think for me it was definitely around I was very unhappy because I knew I wasn't mm-hmm. living a true uh, truth is very important to me I've realized being honest um, it even with myself you know I don't believe in you know the most I like to lie people is you know if maybe from planning a surprise for them that's a nice yeah. one you know I sort of yeah. feel more on that area but not barefaced lie about what's happened and everything else so I suppose for me the way that I felt was I felt very unhappy I knew that there were again it was how I it's how I kept feeling as I was growing it was almost like having like it was almost like there's a piece of a jigsaw that wasn't quite there so mm. you're nearly there but there's that one annoying piece or that piece that you thought fitted in that area actually doesn't and yeah. And then rather than get upset, you, it's like you're keeping on finding, like, when is that moment? And for me, I realised that I was very, very unhappy and I didn't really feel that I was living. Yeah, I was alive in the, you know, sort of biological and legal sense of the term. But mentally, I wasn't. I felt mm. that I was in I was in I was observing it was almost like you know it's almost like there's a party going on and you're stood outside and you're watching everyone through a window that's how I felt and it felt very lonely and isolating and I still feel those aspects now to some degree in some areas but the difference is it's my narrative and I feel that it's my life now rather than something that wasn't quite me and I really tried because actually and this is going to sound very controversial I have no shame at all about being trans um mm-hmm. there is I don't feel that and you know like this year will be my 14th year of transition so I don't exactly feel you know ashamed the thing that makes it hard for me sometimes is the way that other people react and hostility yeah. and sometimes I have wished that I wasn't trans not because I feel there's anything wrong with being trans but it's just all the extra crap that you have to deal with yeah. and it's other people's crap that you then have to deal with and I did know before I did start transitioning that things would be harder. But at the same time, I thought I'd rather have 
I'd rather at least know that my life feels like my own, which it does mm -hmm. now, rather than feeling that I was living a life that was fake or it was based on perhaps what would be easier for everyone else. But actually, the personal toll on me was much harder. Yeah. And what I'm hearing there quite distinctly, and thank you so much for sharing this, Lane, because I, it's you, you know, you, you talk and you share stories and you're all about enabling people to share their stories. So we hear the real context behind what it means to be trans and what folk experience as well, generally in the world. And what I heard you say there was the unhappiness you experienced, which is what, you know, got you to the final point of making the transition that unhappiness has gone now because you are content in yourself. You experienced isolation and that kind of remoteness before that living. I really enjoyed that analogy yeah. living through the, the window. However, now you experience sometimes the isolation or judgment, but that's projected from others. That's not from yeah. what's going on with you. That's society putting a narrative onto what they're seeing or their own fear and how they judge. Yeah. As I say, I think with the whole trans and non-binary debates that might be looming, the only thing dressed up in this com whole conversation is people's bigotry, to be entirely mm -hmm. honest, because when people do and when people dress up things as fake concern or, you know, or manufactured outrage in a way that I just thought, you know what, I would really welcome those people to come out actually properly in the respect that I just like to say, you know what, I just don't like that group of people. I would love lots of people that have bigoted views of lots of different communities to actually own it and say it because that's exactly what they're doing rather than all this padding and all this kind of, um, you know, I'm, I'm none of those things because no one ever openly says I was being racist, homophobic, biphobic, you know, sort of transphobic, mm. ableist, racist, sex, you know, they, they will not use that. No one will ever say those things out loud. If you've noticed, mm. you'll get all the excuses for why not or why it's so or why it's something else when it actually was that behavior. And sometimes my I've I've and I've done it with men as well. I've really challenged them because I've unfortunately with having some of the privileges I have now, obviously, I have witnessed a lot of racism in my time, but also I've witnessed a lot more. Even as a female, I knew misogyny was there, but as, as women and females you're going to know that there are definite cases of it but I have actually seen the other side of really when there isn't a woman in the room or someone female and yeah. wowzers even I was like and even the types of people that you'd be very surprised at I my jurors hit the floor other situations I have challenged more actively now and I really don't care um, which will be around you know just sort of asking them why they're saying things whatever's being said and this applies to racism as well I'll just actually call out very actively why the fact they're not saying it when a member of that community or that gender isn't in the room you know mm. I'll say well if there's nothing or if it's just banter why I said why haven't you got the guts to say it when so-and-so's around and at times that sometimes when I have dropped in I have got a trans or mixed race identity and then suddenly that moment becomes quite tense for those people but I'm not going to enable or protect that kind of behavior and if I'm already going to be seen socially deemed as socially deviant anyway I might as well at least know that I've done some good in the process as well rather than just being subject of someone's judgment yeah and it is judgment isn't it it's a lack of understanding it's a lack of knowledge and this is why sharing stories like this and actually hearing mm. what you've got to say is so important and I'm really chuffed you circled back to the misog misogyny and racism as well and you talked there about the privilege aspect of it and the comparison that you have 
actually experienced yourself having been female presenting to now masculine presenting and what that has offered you and for you to be able to be in different conversations to see how it plays out is quite eye-opening. And I've become more mindful as well so in different situations like if it's late at night I'm really careful about in fact if anything if I'm on I've become I think I've gone perhaps a bit too much the other direction where I've become hypersensitive of things in a way that sometimes I think all right even I've sort of thought I don't have to get that stressed about it like you know one night I nearly was dithering it was a night bus the only spare seat I could see on the top deck was next to a woman and part of me thought oh my god what that makes you uncomfortable and I thought there's only one seat left so what would be weird is if it was totally empty and I've then sat next to someone yes that's yeah. going to make them uncomfortable and then even I just thought okay Leng just calm down you know it's like mm. it's not you know because again it's not taking everything to extremes but I'm very careful when it's late at night of not walking too closely to someone sometimes I have been on the other side of the road but at other times if I've been at night bus stops or anything like that and I've seen a woman that's getting hassled or anything I have sometimes just said are you okay or yeah if there's been a man bothering for mango, she's fine. I've, I've, I've usually then, it's almost when I've realised there's a bit of posturing that men do. I've, I've observed it because that isn't actually my natural style. And I've been like, I'm not talking to you. I've just learned to just be really a bit sharper. And then it's, yeah. it's a bit of an alpha off. And, you know, it's a bit like when dogs are in a park sniffing each other's backsides. There's a little bit Did of Did you say alpha off? <laughs> An alpha off. Yeah, it is a bit because <laughs> what it is, is it's around what I've realized that in a lot of situations, it seems to be around alpha and beta energies that people are giving off. Like Robert Sapolsky did this, has this book on sapiens, where particularly a lot of studies of chimps and primates yeah. and particularly looked at how baboon troops or how there were hierarchies of power in there but it did boil down predominantly to these alpha and beta type energies of people and you know and even I've learned that in a lot of social situations as well people sometimes will follow what they see as the perceived line of power so it doesn't matter how much crap someone comes out with as we've seen with certain things over the last you know, five, six years of global politics, let's say, it's not necessarily, we can have the biggest clown on the stage in some instances, but if they're giving off that sort of very alpha energy, people somehow, we've been socially conditioned to think that that is the perceived line of power and therefore that's what we follow and that's what we will go and do next with. So that's why we'll support it and get behind it. Yeah. So the more smart we are with those things and aware of those things, but I think we can take those elements, but we can use them for good rather than just personal gain and just coming up with complete lunacy or idiot or making a mockery of people around us, which is what I don't imply, what I don't intend to do. Yeah, I honestly, I love all of that. That is a great piece as well there about the energies and you can see it playing out. I mean, that's, yeah, the the chimp paradox as well. Really, really fantastic. And what um, I've learned to do with that as well, as quickly as that, so an example as well that I've done as well, which has sometimes helped, has been to, in a situation where, I've, particularly around trans stuff, I've had people sometimes come out of all sorts of statements that sometimes are really shocking. Like once mm-hmm. I keynoted somewhere and someone at the end of it, a guy, I could see he was in the audience. He'd been sat quite uncomfortably for a, while, a few points because there was initially, there was a surprise. So he bowls over to me at the end of it. In front, and this is in front of his other work colleagues. And he bowled over to me and he was like, oh, I, I just want to say like how brave you are. And he said, and then I had no idea you were trans. He said, but now looking at you, I can see where the female side of you is. It's like, it's, it's looking oh, at those girl eyes. And I was literally oh. like, and I, I kind of didn't know what to say for a minute. Like I was 
I, there's a bit of a running joke with some people and probably one person listening that they say I talk a lot and I do sometimes <laughs> especially when I'm nervous but anyway even for once which this bit where they're gonna laugh maybe you're gonna sarcastically smile at me too is um remember I used to be female I know these things I know that's mine I see it you can't fake with me <laughs> um but literally I was speechless because I was like I really don't know what to say and I was also yeah. like but also I thought I'm not letting you get away with this because but I could also feel at that moment that everyone else around me was in that situation where I knew people wanted to support me but everyone was a bit taken aback and it was that like <gasps> you know no, what do we do so it's not wise to try and do a takedown because we know how to roast people we've been roasted you know I mean we mm-hmm. get socially rotisserie grilled on a daily basis so we're going to know how to come back with a salty comeback but number two it's also a situation of uh, what I realized at that point is because I then didn't sort of cower or whatever but I actually had quite a good retort that again was outpowering him a little bit that made everyone stand with me yeah and get get almost empowered others to speak up because folk were probably so shocked Mark like you how do we how do we respond to this how do we actually deal with this situation and nip it in the bud And that kind of perhaps that leads us on to talking about biases and workplace generally. And, and I know something that you're doing a lot with your DNI, DE, and I uh, work at the moment. There, I mean, you've talked to this already as we've been speaking uh, throughout this this show or this episode. There's so much of our unconscious bias and perhaps conscious bias that comes into play in the workplace, in our dialogue, how we interact, how we think, feel. How can we disrupt it? How can we look to change it and how can we be an ally or for anyone who's listening, be an ally just to help stand up and support somebody when we see something that clearly isn't right? Mm. Well, I think it does start with those moments. And I think don't let it be quite often. It's the moment that gets us all where we and don't come from a position of shame. Because the reason I say that, quite often something happens. The typical thing that I hear time and time again is, oh, I wish I'd have said something. I wish I'd have done something. Mm. When in some situations you have to break past and be willing, again, it's what you're doing. You've got to be willing to properly step out your comfort zone, you know, and also you're not always going to make yourself popular in that process. But sometimes, but the thing is, ethically, it's knowing that you did the right thing. And it's Mm -hmm. how comfortable are you about genuinely doing the right thing and not what is the easy thing? Because I think that's part of the problem. So an example I can give you is that sometimes you may challenge people close to you, but it doesn't always have to be an argument. You can just gently correct them or just it's subtle, the ways that you can build up your confidence because it's not always about getting to the full bit where you see something and you're wading in you're not expected to do that you know you're not a savior but standing mm-hmm. by that person is important making it clear to others that you've seen things if you can record or offer a statement of something very important but always go and check in with the person because the thing that I find shocking is so many people that will be you'll witness something where someone's on the receiving end of something appalling and then everyone avoids them like they like they're the problem when actually sometimes I've seen there's a lot more protection of the perpetrators for things than there is the actual person that maybe is the victim or person on the receiving end of behavior because to be fair calling everyone a victim in that way might be a bit patronizing and demeaning and not everyone always sees themselves in that light Mm. Um, 
but so but I do think on a practical level it's being willing though to sometimes disrupt things and sometimes it is that especially if you're if it's a really good friend of yours actually if anything I think it's really important that we help our friends or people that are close to us or our family members um, whether it's chosen or biological to you know sometimes help them because especially if you know that someone perhaps doesn't mean harm but they're making harmful statements or behaviors it's really important that you tell them because I think otherwise you're setting people up for failure and also just showing situations where again you have to sometimes make yourself a little bit unpopular and this whole sort of fake fakeness of people trying to be if we know someone's difficult and quite rude for example just feeling that oh well I just want to be on their good side or you know that kind of attitude is really really bad and it will backfire because those people when they push and push and push and there's not enough boundaries around or not enough guidance people like that they get worse and their behavior deteriorates even further so actually by you know not doing anything sometimes we are unwittingly contributing to creating a monster or making that monster even more powerful when actually all you had to do was help guide those things but it comes sometimes coming out of your own comfort zone but there are ways that you can disrupt and disengage at first so if you're not naturally that way inclined to get into a sort of verbal bun fight so I'm, I'm actually not that way inclined either but mm. what I've found sometimes is just it's with our own boundaries making it clear with certain people initially even if they're close to you that you don't find that funny or you're not going to engage in that kind of conversation or just little subtle cues I've done if there's bias around or someone's veering into microaggression territory or just being really rude is sometimes I've just said well or if or if they're starting to sound like they're full of crap basically which sometimes people are um, I love to ask them I'm like well where did you hear that from you know where is it from or you know or oh that article that you're just talking about there well yeah that's that is quite strongly a view but is that an article or is that an opinion piece and Mm. you know for example if it involves trans or non-binary people I'll be like well were there any sources in there that were trans or non-binary or was or was that written by a trans or non-binary person and that sometimes maybe go oh because I'll be like well actually it doesn't sound very balanced to me or it's giving one perspective of something so I said my suggestion would be maybe find something else before you make to make a fully fledged opinion I suggest always looking at various sources I also know this because I studied photojournalism so I still read at least three or four different sources of news per day this is a habit I have it's a great habit to have and actually do you know what hearing what you're saying there there's something about speaking up putting your head above the parapet when you see something that's not right whatever that might be um it is uncomfortable to do that. And more often than not, it might make us feel particularly uncomfortable to, you know, or as you said, it might make us look unpopular or feel unpopular. However, the importance of doing that and thinking, how am I going to feel afterwards? Will I be happy that I didn't say anything? How will I feel once I've said something? And supporting individuals, if our truth and if we want to be fully inclusive and support others and also recognize the struggles that individuals are going through as well, uh, you know, putting ourselves in someone else's shoes, feeling that road, feeling that, you know, the stones that potentially in the shoes, checking in with someone that is a really, really, really valuable point, because we all could do with a check-in now and again, particularly if we've experienced something. And if I've seen someone get rounded on, yeah. I will go and check in with them. How and just be are like, you? That was really, you know, some, I'm saying that was absolutely 
horrific or how are you feeling right now or do you want to get a coffee what do you need yeah or if you want to chat later I'm here um another thing I've done which I think is being a good ally at like the dinner table as I call it the dinner table ally sometimes is if there's a bit too much of a focus on someone in a way that isn't nice like particularly if someone is perhaps from a certain community Mm. and um just little things that people can do and let's say there's a bit too much in there's a bit too much focused attention on them that might not be nice or just you know typical thing I mean I've I've been on the receiving end of this myself many a time to the fact that suddenly just because I happen to be trans suddenly it's like what's my opinion on or it's not even my opinion it's you know well people are saying you know young people now don't identify as any gender and they're being forced to do what and I'm like whoa you know that's a lot of stuff to get thrown at you when when you actually you just want the peas and you're waiting for the peas that are on the table you know but they're just getting colder and colder but you're feeling someone and once I was in a situation someone actually did say well they were like well look Leng may be trans but you know Leng isn't the whole voice of the entire community and and also before I could even finish what I'd said in return for things people like I just think kids should just be left to be kids and it was just like what am I you know and it's like and I actually I've learned a question that I've learned to ask but then what I think is a good one for other people to ask others in an allyship situation like that especially when it could be there's a group of people that know each other quite well or you know there could be various other elements Mm. there is a very simple one is sometimes saying well and I've even learned to do that for myself as well. So I don't feel that I've got all the emotional labor and also all the, just mm-hmm. the full barrage of, you know, something coming at you because it's very intense. Um, but what I've learned to say is, well, before I even try and answer that, can I just clarify, is that a question or is it a statement? Because especially when yeah. someone said something that actually sounds like it's already a preformed opinion, it's not an open question, actually. It's, it's, pretty much a, oh god because sometimes we know it if someone's been listening to certain podcasts or they've been reading a certain type of paper or you know newspaper or media source that sometimes mm-hmm. you're like oh god it sounds just like that and sometimes people they don't realize they're actually paraphrasing yeah you know what they've just been hearing so sometimes I've actually learned to ask that very simple thing of saying well before I answer is that a question or is it a statement because that already sounds like you've made an opinion on that and That's sometimes fantastic. that can that temporarily can buy time but also if you're in a social situation like that what I found that often gets other people to wade in so sometimes some people will say yeah actually they're like why why should you know some people I've had someone say well why would Leng know all of everything about that anyway or or they've actually gone well where did you get that source from originally and you know and that allowed a bit more of a a yeah. bit of a dilution so it can take the heat off but also it can allow people to have a little bit of a we all sometimes need a moment where we need to pause and reflect um, yeah. and some people with their curiosity can sometimes it can get the better of them but actually sometimes people hide behind biases as we know in situations because basically they're trying to make someone uncomfortable and they're trying to have a dig at them basically and they'll find lots of ways of legitimizing it and okay you know like what were you having a conversation or are you just referencing why you're digging at me when actually the subtext is I don't like you and I want to make you feel a bit uncomfortable but I'm going to put lots of clever padding around how I'm going to do it because you know that's kind of how it can feel when you're on the receiving end of it but yeah yeah, the essay assault I watch out for as I call it. Something else that just occurred to me I I don't know if it was our conversation before recording or you mentioned at the beginning of the the um the chat we're having speaking up for somebody who's not in the room as well that's really important and not ignoring that noise and that um, 
echo chamber that might be taking place that bias that you know the uh, yeah whatever's going on speaking up when someone's not in the room as well and you know supporting in that way is a great way to be a great ally and I, I want to lean into you, you've talked about the media actually and how people are getting informed opinions and how skewed they might be how non-factual they might be how opinionated they might be and how they might not be led from a trans perspective if we're talking trans non-binary or any other you know any other community um you can apply this in the same way what would you um advise or how would you recommend folk navigate the noise and everything that we are seeing projected in the media at the moment i would say apply simple formula when there's a if it feels like there's a lot of noise about trans people it seems there's a sudden surge of oh these trans people what are they doing now look at what's being buried underneath that because at the moment i've noticed that it's been used as a very convenient um vehicle or nice loud noise to have very particular loud noise of outrage or let's focus on this particularly with certain governments at the moment when there's some really bad things happening or particularly some very violent or quite vicious legislation going on at the moment mm. I've noticed that's been going on or so I, I encourage people to look at that but the main thing I encourage people to do because I had a really um, interesting conversation with someone I know recently who told me they read a particular newspaper and I said well I'm trying to keep a more open mind, but then when I read this, and I sort of pointed out, I said every single week this particular newspaper has a negative, um, has had for the last year, pretty much every week there's been a negative article about trans people mm. or or it's been upholding a gender critical view. So I said, so some of these opinions you're getting, I said, you may not realise this, but you've been getting drip fed it over a long period of time. And with lots of media influence and stuff, when you see constant negative reinforcement, sometimes you can then, this is what happens to a lot of people, they'll start suddenly spouting things and even they'll be like, well, where did that come from? Or there's a confusion if they meet someone like myself, because there's some people that I know that they'll be like, but you're my friend, I like you. But then they'll be coming out with stuff that I'm like, you are sounding like that particular newspaper right now. Yeah, it's a confusion factor because you actually can see me as a person and you know that there is absolute rubbish in there, but you're still not feeling that you can critically challenge that effectively enough. And too many people have got a bit too smug and lazy without doing the constant ways of flashing or doing the work on themselves that mean that you what you do if you spot bias happening or if you feel that there's a bias, you know, not unless you particularly work in DE&I coaching or you regularly have such a lot of reflexive work with yourself, I'm not saying this to patronise or demean anyone, but no one's going to really confident, even if they think I'm going to expose myself to all this information, really, really challenge it. And another example of that was, I I need to find the name of this, because I read this article a while ago, it wasn't related to trans stuff, but it was very interesting. So as a journalist, as an experiment, what he did was he made a new Facebook profile for himself showing that he would be sort of pro-Brexit and pro-Republican and various things mm. because he felt he was quite middle-class but left-leaning you know sort of in his yeah. stuff so anyway when it was the experiment on the algorithms particularly when there was the Cambridge Analytical scandal that hit Facebook well sorry Meta yeah. as it's known now 
he wanted to sort of test how powerful are these algorithms in terms of targeted stuff. So that's why he created a new identity for himself where it showed these would be his interests. And actually he found that all the adverts that he was getting were completely opposite to what his other profile used to get. So it was very interesting right. from that comparison. Anyway, over this period of three months, one thing it shocked him, but then he started to also read them more and, you know, just sort of served as a link to a podcast or something else that was coming through of related content. He was engaging in that. Now, fascinating, after three months, his wife then noticed a change because he initially thought, even though he was going into this with open eyes, being like, you know, I'm a liberal person, I'm, you know, mm. thinking, you know, I can go and do this. After a period of three months, his wife then started to comment to him on just how shocking some of his views, because even he was a bit like, where are these coming from? Because he started to sound right. very much like the opposite and was making some sexist comments or was questioning the validity of stuff. And so, and I know a few people, I know one person once had a phase of listening to certain types of radio or podcasts in America that were really quite conservative leaning and actually some of their behaviors changed because, you know, and in fact, sometimes just listening to things in your own zone and not then discussing it afterwards. Well, that's yeah. actually gonna, that's gonna actually amplify the bias to yourself because yeah. you're not at, unlike you know having a conversation where you listen to it and then after with some friends if you've all listened to it together then discuss it where maybe that can at least create not intervention but it can definitely create conversation or challenge the things rather yeah. than basically you just basically rather than us just subconsciously absorbing everything like sponges because that's the thing we can all we all we get so much information bombarded at us at the moment that it becomes it's it does overwhelm us yeah. um our brains will categorize things in what's easy to process and often based on what we do socially but I think definitely with our own natural filtering and absorption we absorb information better that is easier and more comfortable to us or more familiar the things that we know that we have to think more that might challenge us or make us uncomfortable mm. or maybe because the things especially around ego and perception you know if you think about it we all think of ourselves as open-minded, tolerant, all of those sorts of types of behaviours. Now, when we have certain situations like this emerging, suddenly it can really show, and it also shows socially to people, sometimes they're not as open-minded or tolerant or not even tolerant, I hate that word really, but, you know, not as open-minded or as generous as they think they are socially. Mm. You know, lots of people think that they are very you know some people think they're a little bit you know cantankerous or a bit playful or something but you know most people would or no one would ever think you know what when I walk in a room no one's ever going to say people just think I'm a bigot and I'm proud of that no one's ever going to say that you know yeah. so so I think it's those elements combined that uh that are contributing to that Absolutely. There's this is the echo chamber, isn't it? And it's challenging that echo chamber, being aware of it, as you said, that self-reflective piece and just, you know, registering if it's an opinion, if it's a statement as opposed to an area of curiosity. And, you know, if we go back to, to the, the general crux of this conversation and the importance of it, it's allowing a diverse and inclusive space where people can show up authentically as themselves. So it's providing that safety. It's providing the curiosity. It's speaking up for someone who's not in the room. It's speaking up when someone's in the room and you feel and see an injustice happening. It's about learning, being open to learning, being curious and actually stepping into somebody else's shoes to help and support. It's about listening to these kind of conversations and someone's lived experience rather than a narrative that's being projected by somebody else. 
and questioning what's behind that narrative. Because uh, to talk into the idea that you just mentioned there, we filter out based on our narrative. If it supports the story that we want to hear based on our bias, then we're going to tune into that there. And I find that fascinating, that um, exercise. And if you can find it, let me know and I'll put it in the show notes about oh, how no, we yeah really interesting how we can change our dialogue based on what we're feeding ourselves it's the nutrition we're putting into our minds and that can really have a detrimental or positive impact dependent on how we are are going with it yeah I couldn't agree more and it's it's those aspects together that I think are so important to like really really bring out think about um and you know just challenge all the time and the fact is again we all this is when it comes to challenging bias around us it's work we constantly have to do yeah and we have to stop being so lazy if you are constantly in effect putting yourself in quite a pressure cooker situation of having a particular type of messaging at you all the time yeah it's gonna and you're listening to it in different situations where you're going to absorb elements of that even I found myself when I've read more sort of certain leaning sort of newspaper articles and stuff, I found how it can influence us. And the other thing to bear in mind as well is the polarity of stuff as well. So things now can get very polarized, even in conversation, which I think is paralyzing people's abilities to actually know what to say or do in situations, yeah. because actually it's hard for them. And I completely respect that because it's difficult when people will frame things and even when I see things in the media as well I'm like that is not a balanced conversation or that's not even a conversation it's like you're either this or that and it's like that's not a way of having it and so my tips for challenging that again is just say well is that a question or a statement because that mm. it just keep finding ways to expand that bandwidth rather than things narrowing in at you and be open to say I actually don't have all the answers to that or I'm not an expert in such and such you know yeah. my feeling is this but you know or if or if it's veering into oh so it means you're against such and such which sounds like there's assumption or that's not actually what you've actually done a great moment to then say is well that isn't what we we're saying the question was about this this is what I'm answering on you know just knowing to just find it's almost like realizing that you do have a voice and yes exactly what I was going to say yeah you do have a voice your opinion is valid question it and really yeah step into it absolutely brilliant Leng do you know what thank you so much for for joining me thank you so much for sharing your story it's really generous of you it's really important and you know I think a lot of people will get a great deal of value from everything you've shared today thank you great well, thank you for having me it's been lovely lovely to join your podcast and have this conversation with you it totally has been. And if anybody is curious to, to know more or wants to connect with you, they found what you've had to say super inspiring, which no doubt they will. How can they get in contact with you? Where's the best place? Um, that's a good question, actually. Well, I'm on Instagram at Leng Monty is my name there. I do also sometimes use Twitter with the same username of at Leng Monty or, you know, on LinkedIn, people can connect with me too. I'm Leng Montgomery there. But that's about it really for where I mostly Brilliant. Interact. No, that's great. Again, thanks, Len. This has been so wonderful and I feel thoroughly inspired, actually, really inspired. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you everyone for listening. Take care, look after yourself, keep well. You have been listening to Seize the Day with Natalie Miller-Snell. If you've enjoyed this show, please head over to seizethedaysimplecast.com for all of my other shows. If you're interested to hear more about coaching, 
please visit nmscoaching.co.uk. If you'd like to chew the fat over some of the topics in these podcasts, please come and join me at my Facebook group, Dare to Be You. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening.